everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Product-Led Podcast. Today, we are going to do a really cool episode where we dig into one of the components of the Product-Led System. So the Product-Led System, if you're not aware of what it is, it is a series of nine components we have developed where if you implement them into your Product-Led business, it is way easier for you to become Product-Led and scale a Product-Led business up. Now, the components we're going to be going through today is part of our data component. And so what we're going to be talking a lot about today is product qualified leads specifically. And more specifically, why you're probably doing product qualified leads wrong and what to do about it. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what that looks like for your business. And that's where we're going to be diving into today. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know me, I am Laura. I'm the director of content here at Product Led, and I will be asking Wes all about this today. So before we even dive into this topic, I would love to hear what a product qualified lead is and how it's different than in like a typical sales led business. Yeah, absolutely. So like product qualified leads, the, the main difference between like, let's say a marketing qualified lead versus a product qualified lead is a marketing qualified lead is you're really looking at more or less surface level indicators of intent. So like someone visited our pricing page or somebody filled out a demo request and they just happened to work in a big company. Like you would look at that and say, yeah, they're a marketing qualified lead. Now the range of how qualified they are is wild. When you compare from company to company, <laughs> some people will have it as simple as like, oh, they visit our pricing page. They definitely want to buy what we have. Marketing qualified lead, there they are. So that's the interesting thing. Product called by lead, you basically look at a, a few things like, are they an ideal user company? And then also, what are they doing in the product that shows intent? So for most product-led companies, that intent is always going to be based around what meaningful value did they actually experience in that product? So for Slack, as an example, if somebody joins Slack, adds their team, and they start having like 2,000 messages together, that's a really potentially like great product by qualified lead, depending on like what kind of company they work at and everything else. So that's more or less like product by leads versus MQLs. Awesome. For someone who's just starting out and looking into a product qualified lead, like why should they care? Yeah. So the, the main reason you want to like really care about PQLs and start using PQLs is because as an organization, one thing you need to master as a product led company is how well are you engaging your users? How many of them are actually getting value in your product? And so a lot of times, early stage companies, whenever they try to roll out product-led in their company, they don't see value or they don't have a lot of people turning from free to paid. And then we go into the question of like, well, what percentage of them got value? And a lot of times they're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, you should know. And if you don't know, that's part of the problem because you don't have an awareness around how many people are getting value. So product qualified lead, the big, biggest reason if you like take nothing else away from it, like take even the like, are they ideal qualified people aspect out of it, just like focus on did they get meaningful value? It's a clarifying function for you to realize what percentage of people actually get value in your product. And when you start putting teams like accountabilities around this metric, you will move the needle a lot more. It will become more of a focus for your team to actually get really, really good at engaging people. And so 
that's why I personally, I, I love product quality leads because every time you implement it inside a business, you realize that your business becomes better at engaging users, getting them to value. And that's really what the whole product-led growth concept is all about. It's like your user success will become your success. So by measuring that user success piece, we get better at user success, which means you also, as a company, can do better. So that's why I love them. That's a good good reason to love them. When a SaaS founder comes to you and they're curious about PQLs, what are some of the biggest questions they come to you with and whether or not this is something that they should pursue? It's really like these three big challenges. The first one is how to track this. Like, is this really important for us to track? So I answer that first one. Like, yes, it's very important to track. So it usually goes down to like, how do we actually track this? And so this is really where I'd love to kind of like break it down into a few different components for people to understand, because I think a lot of times it's overly complex, where it's like, oh, yeah, you got to track this, you got to track that. And they're like, huh? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah, right, let me just add that to the back burner, because it's too complicated. I'm not even going to bother with it. So if you're to break PQLs into four different buckets, it's these. The very first bucket of like, how do you actually track it is you got to understand, like, is the person that's signing up for your product an ideal user or account? So how the heck do you track that? Usually for most like successful product businesses, you'll see this at the beginning where it's like you ask them a few questions like, hey, are you, as an example, a founder of a business? Are you a product manager? Like for us, for instance, an ideal user would be you're a founder. Great. Okay. Awesome. We can work really well with you. Product manager. Yes, we, we love you. Uh, but we work best with the founders. So like we want to be tracking how many ideal users that looks like. Now that does not mean like broad stroke track roles for your ideal user, but you got to understand like what are those two or three questions you could use to like identify is this an ideal user or not? So that's the first bucket. What percentage of signups are ideal users? Second bucket is did they successfully set up their account or not? So that's really looking at, okay, like if you're Google Analytics or Full Story or I'm trying to think of any other tool where you've got to like upload a script to your website. I'm sure you can think of some. There's a lot of them out there. And it's like in order to successfully set this up where the product is going to give you like some value, <laughs> you got to do this. So it's like, did they do that or not? Whatever that successful setup is for your product, like a PQL will have to do that. Next, the third bucket is, did they experience first value? Not like the whole enchilada, but like a really good taste of that enchilada. Like, did it taste good? Uh, do they have a good reason to come back to this product again? So some products, you're going to be able to do that like first visit, which I mean, I love it. But <laughs> majority of SaaS companies, at least I know of, that's not the case. So that would be like usually the second visit or something like that. So what does that first value look like? Did those people get to that point? Now, the last kind of bucket here of like how to actually track PQLs is did they hit a key usage indicator or did they form a habit with your product? If you got like a freemium product where they could come back in again and again, that's really the, the fourth one. And so what you're looking for is did this person go through those main four steps? And if so, that is your kind of product qualified lead. And that is somebody that is experiencing like a, a ton of value to your product is very likely to upgrade. And if you've 
picked like the right key usage indicator, you should find that 30 to 50% of these PQLs actually upgrade because they're like, I get it. I want more of it. And yeah, just where do I pay again? It's like, <laughs> it should be easy at that stage, but that's how you define it. I'm going to back you up here and just, can you clarify what a key usage indicator is for anyone who might be confused about that term? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think at the, the beginning, I was mentioning like for Slack. So if I'm a user, I invite my team and then I have like invited them. Then we start talking about like different projects and stuff. Um, 2000 messages is a really good indicator that like, oh, wow, like that company is getting a lot of value out of this product. And so at Slack, they, they don't just track like straight up like messages. They also track velocity like, oh, did they do that in seven days or like 14 days? Really shows like how fast you're moving. But for like V1 for most companies, you're always looking at like, okay, like what is that one big indicator that this person is seeing value for live chat software solutions like Drift or Intercom? A lot of times in their free motions, they're looking at like how many conversations were you able to start with using our tool? And so if you have like 100 free conversations, it's like, wow, like the odds of you really understanding our value and our use case is sky high at that stage. And so the yeah challenge is always like, what is that key usage indicator for your business? So that's kind of the, the homework we go through in our program of like, what does that look like for your specific business? Because it's never like, yeah, black and white for, for everybody. For sure. And one thing that did come up on our coaching call from students about this topic is what happens when you get a PQL wrong? So if you get a PQL wrong, you'll just notice that like you're, let's say for every sign up, you get, let's have like 50% of PQLs, 50% <laughs> of people PQLs. And then you look at the conversion rate from like PQL to paid. If you don't notice a big difference, like, okay, yeah, we're getting a lot of PQLs, but not a lot of people are actually upgrading. That's a side you probably haven't picked the right PQL definition. So the link between a PQL and somebody upgrading should be 30 to 50% of PQLs turn into a paying customer. So if you don't have that, it might mean you got to give more away for free or something like that. You don't need to get more usage for that person to actually understand the value of the product. So that's a, a really telltale sign that it's like, you haven't quite got it right yet. Not the end of the world, but just re-look at, did that actually answer the question of, did they get meaningful value in that product or not? Yeah, so let's back up a little bit and, and talk about what can be done once you have identified a PQL. You do have to involve all different teams. And so a lot of the, the folks in our coaching program are like smaller companies. And so this might not be like fully... We have all these departments, but even if you don't, I want you to think like you do. So for instance, for marketing, you're going to be looking at, okay, what percentage of signups did become like ideal users? Like, did we qualify as like, they're the, the ideal people we want to be signing up for our product? That should be a metric that they, they get measured by. So like quantity for marketing would be like signups. Quality would be like how many, what percentage of those were ideal users? Now for your product team, like they're looking at those other three stages, like for a successful setup, first value, hitting a key usage indicator. They're looking for like, how can we increase the total number of those people? And so product works very closely with your like your user, customer support, success team. 
to that is like manually helping out a lot of these ideal users to get to become a PQL. So product kind of sits on top and understands like actually what could be done to, to accelerate that. So for your user customer support success team, they are incentivized to get people to PQL and really hit that key usage indicator. It's just they're doing it in a bit more of a manual way where they're reaching out to these people. And one of my favorite examples was from Databox. And so at our company, we're trying to build a customer scorecard that we will look at like every single day. And we just wanted to automate like the data collection. And so we had this custom metric we wanted to to kind of track. And I am not that good at creating formulas. (laughs) And so it was great. I was about to leave the product and then boom, like exit and send pop up. It's like, would you like us to set this metric up for you? And it's like, yeah, actually, I was trying for a little while to do it on my own, couldn't do it. And so it was an awesome example of a technical support specialist that was just able to help me at the right time to actually become a PQL or one of their pro plans. So awesome example. You could also integrate sales at a later stage where it's like once you hit a key usage indicator, like that's when sales is now like ready to engage with the PQL and take them from not just PQL, but to to upgrade. And so that's really like for those four teams, how you could really integrate them effectively and roll out PQLs across the rest of your organization. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great because there are many listeners here who are at every stage of their business, whether it's just a team of one to three, or maybe they have 50 plus people on their teams. Does it matter, you know, what stage of business you are at to implement it on and create a PQL? Or do you need to reach like a certain level of revenue for it to actually make sense? Yeah. So this is one of those areas where it's like, I mean, as early as you can start tracking it, the better. Because even if you have, let's say, 10 people signing up for your app every single week, that insight is going to like provide a ton of value. Now, do you need like the fanciest product analytics solution on the market to track that? No, you could probably manually do that every single week and export the data and then just go through that. So you don't need anything fancy for this, but it will apply to like, the reason I, I love doing it at any stage is because it installs that discipline and rigor of like, okay, what is the success rate for this specific product? Are we actually getting people to the outcomes that we promised them? And that's, I think it goes back to like why become product led. It's like the whole point of this thing is to show, not just tell people about our value. Now, if we actually show people the product, but we don't show them the value, then it's like, why are we doing this? <laughs> it's, it's not going to work as well. And sometimes it will backfire more than anything where they're like, oh, this product sucks. We don't want that. We want to have something where we create it. It actually gets people to that outcome. So yeah, any stage, please do. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's also just a good like habit building. Like once you you start doing it, you can continue to do it. It just becomes a lot easier when you do get to that stage where it's really necessary that you already have the systems in place for it to, to be a little bit more smooth. One question I did have that you had talked about earlier, and it comes back to identifying that PQL piece. And you spoke a lot about ideal users and knowing exactly who that ideal user is. Why couldn't it just be a regular user? 
A great question. Like whenever you look at your stats of like, okay, how are people going through your value funnel? So like from sign up to the setup stage to like first value and hitting a key usage indicator. So what you should see if you pick the ideal user profile right, uh, that goes back to our user component, but is that you have a high amount of these ideal users becoming a PQL. Because the problem when you look at a funnel where you're like, okay, yeah, we had a thousand signups and you know, 500 of them successfully set it all up and only 100 of them got to first value and 50 of them got to key usage indicator. And yeah, so we our PQLs are 50, I guess. If you don't have that ideal user profile, you're looking at kind of like vanilla stats or you're like, now where should we focus? Now, if we kind of look at that thousand signups and say, actually, you know what? Only... 500 of them were like ideal users. And out of those like specific ideal users, 400 of them, 400. So like we only lost 100 in this uh, setup stage. And then for first value, it's like we were at 350 hitting a key usage indicator. Like that was where we lost most people, but we still got about like 100 of them. And so you're like, okay, we still got 100 PQs in that specific one. Now the math there doesn't really work. <laughs> the last one was like 50, this one's 100. But the thing is, and the point I want to drive home is like, it tells you a different story, doesn't it? Every time you look at your lens of like, this is the ideal user lens, we should see a different story. And when we're thinking about where do we focus and where is the biggest bottleneck, a lot of times founders will kind of look at the overall stats. And even when it comes to churn as well, it's like, our churn's so high. I'm like, is it your ideal users churning? Or is it because you were sloppy with your marketing over years and you attracted the wrong people and then now you're just paying for that because you are not really the best thing for that specific user. And they're just like, ah, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we know who our ideal user is. We've been attracting a lot of different people because we've just been trying to grow fast. So it's, it's a normal thing. But yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I think when you do track that ideal user profile, and add it into your PQL definition, it allows you to grow way faster and more intentionally. Totally. Tie this back to a story that you told in the coaching call, because I found it very, I loved hearing it. I found it very impactful. Can you tell the story about what happened with your first client that you ever had? Yeah. So <laughs> shout out to Paul. I won't give his company name, but great guy is uh, this Australian SaaS company. And so uh, when I started working with Paul, I was doing like demand generation, digital marketing for the company. So I was in charge of like their advertising, digital advertising to get more people signing up for their free trial. And so I was spending thousands of dollars every month to just get more and more people to, to sign up for their product. And at the end of every month, I was just like, hey, Paul, tell me about those signups, specifically the ones I said to you. Like, were they good? Did they, you know, do stuff in the product? <laughs> Did they, heaven forbid, upgrade? I, I wanted to know all those fun questions. And so Paul didn't have the immediate answers, but he was like, oh, we can check. Let's, let's look. And I was like, okay, good. We can actually like dig into some of this stuff. And so we started to dig into it and we realized, wow, out of all the people signing up for it, we were losing between 40 to 60% of people in that first setup stage. In fact, they weren't even going into the product to start the setup stage right after they signed up. And so we're like, whoa. Uh, you're bleeding a lot here. This is a leaky bucket. So I was like, okay, we, we got to 
fix this stuff first before we spend more money on you know, getting more people through this terrible funnel. And so that was the setup stage. And then like first value, key usage indicator. We didn't have any of that tracked. It was just like, what do you do in this 14-day free trial? And so we basically started looking at that data and understand like, where is the biggest bottleneck? Initially for Paul, that was like, okay, we are losing so many people in that successful setup stage because he had this verification step for email. So we started taking that away. We saw, okay, wow, we got like a lot more people to set it all up. And then it's like, what's the next challenge? It's like, well, right now we, like a lot of people aren't getting value. They still have to hop on a call with you, Paul, to, <laughs> to upgrade. And I'm sure a lot of founders will like laugh at that because I'm like, that's so common, right? They will buy your product when they talk to you, but they will not buy your product when they just go into it. And if that's ever the case, it's because you're missing those two other steps of like first value and hitting a key usage indicator on their own. Now, if they did that, they would have so much more trust in you and your product to actually just pull the trigger and upgrade without actually talking to you. So that is really kind of high level of that story. Long story short, we were able to fix some of those things and Paul was able to, to grow a lot faster. But yeah, that was kind of the, the rude awakening of digging into the stats. So for some of you, you're going to do that. I encourage you dig into some of those stats to find out where are you bleeding a lot of these users in this process. Very, very lovely story. Final thoughts, Wes, for our audience today about the importance of PQLs and how to do them right. Like why become product-led in the first place? It's all about your user success will eventually become your success. So if you don't track that success of the user, it's not going to work. And so that's really why you should do it. It's never going to be something where it's like, oh, I jump up and down. I'm installing PQLs in my business. Initially, it's going to feel like you go to the gym for the first time in years. You're like, wow, we really suck at this. And that's okay. But it's like you now have that awareness where like, okay, we did it once. <laughs> now start reviewing that stat every day. Just build that habit and then start asking yourself, what could we do for each of these? And once you have the breakdown of those four stages, you can really apply that energy and effort with the rest of your team and be like, okay, our setup stage, we're losing 50% of people. Let's, let's brainstorm. What could we do? It might just be as simple as that data box example where it's like, okay, let's put up a pop-up and when people get stuck, we'll do it for them and give them our Calendly and then they can book a meeting with us and we'll help them do it. And so you can be proactive about getting people to that core value because if any one of those four stages is not taken care of, then it's like, well, you're probably not going to get PQOs. You probably aren't going to get people buying without talking to you. And your product will definitely not sell itself. So PQOs are that like forcing function for you to really align your team and get everybody rowing in the same direction as far as how do we build a amazing product, but also amazing product that delivers that value to those users quickly, efficiently, and predictably. PQLs make that happen. Love it. Thank you so much for your insights today, Wes. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. 
<laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing. <laughs>